All right, everybody, hello and welcome to this week's wrestling episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Rye, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making me part of your day presented by Anchor Podcasts. Make sure you give me a like and subscribe and leave a review to help others find the show wherever it is that you're getting your podcast. A quick reminder on where you can find me on social media. On Twitter, you can find me at TV. On Facebook, just search for TapOutsAndTouchdowns and an email to the show, TapOutsAndTouchdowns at gmail.com. Uh, as always, doing the wrestling episode this week, let's welcome back wrestling correspondent to the show, PJ Steven. PJ, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing all right. It's a good night. Not too bad. Um, I drank a little bit too much at the bars that I was in waiting on my uh, my hibachi. Uh, so drinking an empty stomach was fun, which will make this episode equally as fun because we're going to give you guys a fantastic pay-per-view. Definitely the opposite of what we gave you guys last week with Barely Legal. We're going to hit you guys with something super awesome, which ironically uh, was in the same building as the show that we gave you two weeks ago for the G1 Supercard. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned drinking too much before your hibachi. Uh, that combination is going to make your butthole feel amazing in about 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going yeah. it's, it's, it's to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. So, it might happen during this podcast. Yeah. Speaking of wonderful, as you mentioned, what a wonderful pay-per-view. We have moved out of 1997. We have fast-forwarded five years into time to keep up with the time that we are in now, we are headed towards WWE Survivor Series. So we look at WWE Survivor Series 2002, emanating from Madison Square Garden, as TJ alluded to, uh, which is where the G1 Supercar that we reviewed two weeks ago uh, emanated from. TJ, you got anything to add about this show? Attendance numbers, some storylines leading into uh, what we're going to see here on the show. So, um, a lot of things were moving on to the show. 2002 was a great era uh, for WWE. Era? Era? It was a great time for WWE. (laughs) Either way. (laughs) Tomato, tomato, bud. Yeah, right. Um, So, great. I mean, great stuff here uh, leading up to this. It really, it all, it all kind of surrounds around um, the Elimination Chamber. This is the very first Elimination Chamber um, uh, match. Uh, that goes on this pay-per-view. But it has to do with that, but it also has to do with Brock Lesnar being your undisputed champion, your WWE champion here. Um, we get a lot of things going on here. I'll talk I'll talk first. The main feud heading into Survivor Series uh, for the Raw brand, as I'll mention, that this is, uh, this is back when it was very... Uh, after 2001, I believe, um, they did the brand where it was a brand split for Raw and SmackDown. They did a big draft. It was the first where, ever brand split that WWE ever did. It was after the acquisition go. of WCW, after the Invasion pay-per-view, after the pay-per-view in which uh, we consolidated titles. Uh, yep. Fast forward a little while, and they would actually do a brand split where they, were, they would split up the brands in it for, a, for a short time. The undisputed champion was on both shows. Uh, before this show, the Eric Bischoff-led Monday Night Raw would reintroduce Big Gold, uh, Big Goldie, if you will, the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, would award it to Triple H, and there you have a true brand split. 
uh, where you have world champions on each show. And it was the first time WWE had ever done this. Yeah, and it was kind of fun that they did this because each brand had their own pay-per-views minus the big four. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, Survivor Series, obviously, uh, SummerSlam, uh, Royal Rumble, and WrestleMania. Those were always cross-branded, but the pay-per-views had their own uh, – or excuse me, the uh, brands had their own pay-per-views, Unforgiven, No Mercy, uh, No Way Out. Uh, so on and so forth. But I, as as Bully just mentioned here, the feud kind of started for the um, Elimination Chamber on September 2nd episode of Raw when Eric Bischoff awarded Triple H the World Heavyweight Championship in form of, of course, the big gold belt. <clears throat> Triple H actually successfully defended the title over Ric Flair but lost in a tag match to both Ric Flair and Rob Van Dam towards the end of the show. Um on the September 9th episode of Raw, Brian Van Dam actually became your number one contender for the World Heavyweight Champion by defeating Jericho, which is really fun. Actually, he defeated Jericho, Hardy, and Big Show, I think, in a fatal four-way elimination. A lot of elimination matches that obviously we'll get into in this pay-per-view, but they were on a trend there for a while doing a lot of elimination matches. Um on the September 16th episode of Raw, Van Dam actually lost the Intercontinental Champion to Chris Jericho after Triple H interfered. But at Unforgiven, which is the Raw pay-per-view, Van Dam faced Triple H for the World Heavyweight Champion, which he um, which he after Ric Flair hit him with a sledgehammer, allowing Triple H to finish him off the pedigree, uh, retain the title. On the 30th of September, uh, Triple H defeated Bubba Ray Dudley to retain the World Heavyweight Champion. Sure, give him a title shot, I guess. Later on that night, though, Kane would win the Intercontinental Champion from Jericho, uh, despite the interference from uh, Triple H and Ric Flair. We're really starting to get into that evolution period, um, which is super fun. God, I love that stable. Uh, it really it really made a difference. I can't wait to get to a promo in the show. You mentioned evolution. We'll get there. Oh, it's it's coming. It's, it's so coming. Good. I know I know what you're going to hit me with. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, let's fast forward here to the October 21st episode of Raw. Uh, Eric Bischoff announced the first ever Elimination Chamber would take place in Survivor Series. Bishop did this as he wanted Elimination Chamber to be better than SmackDown's Hell in a Cell at No Mercy. And we'll get to that storyline here shortly as well. Uh, this just kind of went into a numerous amount of matches. They finally picked the six people that would be in there, uh, revealing the six participants in the contest. Obviously, Triple H being your champion. It would be Chris Jericho, Booker T, Rob Van Dam, Kane, and a returning Shawn Michaels, who just had some explosive matches with Triple H that SummerSlam before. And gosh, uh, I want to touch a little bit on the Shawn Michaels return here. Um, Michaels comes back uh, and does a, a, a terrific unsanctioned street fight, which is a fucking oxymoron in my opinion. I hate unsanctioned matches when they have a referee and they have entrances and shit. I hate that. But anyway, great, great match. I mean, just, just tremendous action here. And Shawn Michaels honestly only trusted one person to work with, and that was, of course, Triple H. Um, but anyway, I digress. After all that, Michaels accepts the offer of being part of the Elimination Chamber, which is super fun. So that's where we get here. The other big storyline, the other big match that we have is, of course, your United States, excuse me, your undisputed and your WWE champion, Brock Lesnar, and Big Show for the WWE title. Uh, Lesnar won that title at SummerSlam by defeating uh, The Rock, uh, which was not a very good match, actually. I don't think these guys had a lot of chemistry, honestly, which on paper, it seems like it'd be amazing. But after I rewatched this event, I went back and watched some of the storyline stuff leading up to it. Wasn't that great? Did you happen to, did you happen to remember a lot from that match, Billy? Yeah, I, I didn't. I just remember that 
The Rock at the time, uh, up to that point, was the youngest world champion in WWE history. Yeah. And it was a big shock that they would shift that to Brock Lesnar to be the new youngest world champion in WWE history. That's that's yeah. the big takeaway that I remember. You know, you know why they did that? Because The Rock was going to Hollywood. Was that it? That and because he was the next, next. big thing. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah. um, God damn, look at him. He is just the next big thing. Anyway, um, later on, though, in the year, at no mercy, Lesnar would defeat The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match. Holy shit. That match was insane. I went back and watched that one as well. That match was in- ridiculous. Just stiff as shit. That, to me, is the match for Lesnar started earning the roster's respect besides being a young gun athletic son of a bitch. Um, former NCAA champion. Don't don't you don't you my sleep bad. on Brock Lesnar, man. I, I listen, I've been sleeping <laughs> on his matches for the past five years, but I get it. Um <laughs> sorry. I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna say nothing, man. We, yeah, 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 we, exactly. Oh, we actually get some promos there with Undertaker and Lesnar. Big Show actually gets drafted to SmackDown. Big Show throws Undertaker off the match or off the stage, rather, injuring his neck. That's how we get Lesnar off, excuse me, how we get Taker off TV before we get Big Show and Lesnar. Uh, Big Show chokes Lemmy Lesnar through an announce table. Uh, and we just keep moving on here until uh, Lesnar's manager, Paul Heyman, was convinced more than anyone that Lesnar could not win, talking about it defending the title. Lesnar refused, decided to call Big Show out, and of course we get the match now with the Big Show and Lesnar for the undisputed WWE Championship. Uh, we've also got a great tag team match here, man. Uh, I'm not going to go into all this because it, it is just a lot going on and it's kind of repetitive. Um, basically, we have our champions, Edge and Rey Mysterio. There was a, a tag team gauntlet, if you will, tournament to crown the very first SmackDown WWE uh, yeah. tag team champions. So before you, before you get into this description, it irritated the shit out of me how it wasn't back then called the Raw and the SmackDown tag team. It was the, it was the WWE <laughs> And the, and the world, world heavy, yeah, tag team championships. And even not like mention, during the, well, sorry, not to mention the world tag team championships were on SmackDown, but the world heavyweight championship was on Monday Night Raw. Like oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Just weird. think about yeah. the fact that That's like if, if you really want to have the brand split and to have everything sort of like line up, the world heavyweight title, the world tag team championships, the United States championship, those should have been on Monday Night Raw. And instead, we get the Intercontinental title, the WWE Tag Team titles on the same show with the World Heavyweight title. It's semantics, you know, but nevertheless. Yeah, I mean, it's split hairs, but I'm still with you. Yeah. Um, it, what was funny to me is the WWE Tag Team champions, um, you know, those being on SmackDown, it was weird to hear the during the vignette, Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle are the very first WWE Tag Team champions. And I'm like, wait a yeah. minute, I looked up. I looked up and I was like, wait a minute, huh? Oh, yeah. wait a minute. I forgot we did the thing. So yeah. Kurt Angle and Benoit are your tag team champions. Uh, they actually lose uh, to Edge and Mysterio and Edge and Mysterio having the belts. We then go into um, a triple threat tag team match between uh, with Los Guerreros, Edge and Rey Mysterio, and Kurt Angle and Benoit. Kurt Angle and Benoit doing the angle where they're just not working together as a tag team. Uh, they're wanting to get their belts back. Kurt Angle is trying to make it work. Benoit does not want to make it work. They go back and forth. A fun little promo that we'll get to later on. And uh, finally, the biggest, uh, not the biggest, but one of the coolest matches that was on this card. And if not one of the best, honestly, 
and surprising was the triple or uh, excuse me was Trish Stratus and Victoria for the WWE Women's Champion. I got to tell you, we'll get into that match. That match was insane. Um, and it was a, such a different match than what we see here, the October 7th episode of Raw. Stratus defeating Stacey Keeler in a broad panties paddle on a pole match. Bully, what's your favorite paddle on a pole match? Any of them. I mean, give me, give me, the, give me the, all the bras and panties matches, man. I'm a total misogynist. I'm totally kidding. Um, oh, my God. Listen, yeah, and no. that, this is our last episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bully <laughs> uh, Rye will officially be canceled after this yeah, show. Oh, oh brother. Um, fo- the following weeks after, after those matches, uh, to, the two, as in Victoria and Trish Stratus, would have many clashes on Raw. Uh, Stratus ambushing Victoria following an attack on Terry Runnels. And, of course, it would be uh, put on the line. Victoria and Trish Stratus for the Women's Champion and a hardcore rules match. That gets us all to Survivor Series 2002. And I got to tell you, it's a lot to take in right there, folks. But now we're going to get to the real event here. Uh, it takes place. As Bully mentioned earlier, and Madison Square Garden, baby. God, what an amazing event. Uh, it took place on November 17th. Um, 17,930 people in uh, in attendance. Your buy, your buy rate was about 340,000. Uh, successful ass pay-per-view, man. Great shit, and we're going to get into it, man, because uh, I, I want to get into it. I want to talk more about it because it was just tremendous. Yeah. Uh, People don't talk about the early 2000s, the post-WCW era, and how really good it was for a long time for WWE. And this is a prime example. You've got now ECW and WWE are completely immersed into WWE. Uh, This show, man, nostalgia here. Fake on the the announcing, on the the ring announcing, and Mm, JR and King on commentary when they were still good. Man, I loved, I loved the the uh, uh, what's the what's the audio version of uh, of optics? Uh, that's because that's what it was. It was very pleasing to the ear for me um, to hear all of these these old I say older voices. Uh, rest in peace, Howard Finkel. He's no longer with us, and obviously uh, King no longer on commentary. Jr. doing it for AEW. But I digress. As you mentioned, let's get into the show. It kicks off with a bang. We get the Dudley boys, i.e. Bubba Ray and Spike Dudley, teaming up with Jeff Hardy against Three Minute Warning and Rico. Three Minute Warning made up of Rosie and Jamal, otherwise known as Umaga and and Rosie. Uh, Rosie would eventually be a a superhero sidekick to the Hurricane, better known now since his passing as the older brother of Roman Reigns. And you can see it. As soon as he walks out, you can see Roman Reigns in the face of rosie um and i know, know. yeah it's it, it, it as a even as a better wrestler you can tell that it's it's Ro- roman reigns is a big yeah, brother i mean i you know this team i think it ran its course and it did what it was intended to do uh i i want i'm gonna call him umaga instead of jamal um these guys could work both of them have since since passed uh but man uh, i'm gonna start us off here um it was just it, it was it was such a good match for what it was. Um, Jeff Hardy uh, got tossed over the top rope in a spot by Bubba Ray Dudley. Really loved the spot. Um, you've got uh, you know if you remember if you're a fan of the Dudley Boys, uh, they would do where Bubba Ray would body slam you, pick your legs up, and you get the uh, the head drop or the the headbutt to the crotch. We get Jeff Hardy hitting his patented Hardy Boy leg drop to it. Um, we got a botch of the night nominee. Rosie uh, was supposed to catch 
Uh, Jeff Hardy missed it, but he made up for it, splashing it to, to correct it. So it didn't look as bad. Uh, man, it's, I, I should have mentioned this is a, a six-man elimination tables match. Uh, so eliminations happen when your opponents put you through a table. Uh, there was a front-facing, like, I guess, face slash to Spike Dudley to eliminate him. Oh, yeah, that was rough, man. It was, was like, brutal. Spike, Spike Dudley was known for giving his body for the business. I mean, I think I want to say he was like a high school science teacher or something. Um, and so Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, but he was uh, he put his body on the line, especially in a match like this. Um, uh, what a fun elimination. Uh, Rosie got hit off the top rope and did like an RVD, like the, you know, the the I don't know what you call it, but the leg, the split leg backflip onto the mat. And for a big dude, he took it like a champ. Yeah, um, he did. Uh, a fun swanton off off the uh, the crowd through Rosie. Um, oh my God, Rosie got. I, I mentioned that one already. Jamal off the top rope to the outside to go through a table. Man, uh, just some really fun mat, fun spots by two bigger guys, Umaga and uh, Jamal and Rosie. Three minute warning. These are Samoans that you expect to see looking like Samoans. These aren't the Usos doing these spots. These are guys like Rikishi doing these spots, uh, which brings me to another point. It's crazy we couldn't get a Rikishi spot in here with three-minute warning, make him like, I don't know, six-minute warning and have the three. Can you imagine that stable with those Samoans all together? Nevertheless, I digress. Um, so underrated here. Uh, just imagine, I, I mentioned that they were bigger. Imagine if they were been able to get into shape. They could have been the Usos before the Usos. Uh we mentioned there was a brand split. In the brand split, we saw the separation of the Dudley boys, where Devon would go to SmackDown, Bubba Ray would go to Monday Night Raw. And Devon would be Reverend Devon. Reverend Devon testify with his, I forgot what he called him, but that was the debut of Batista. De- Deacon, Deacon Batista? Was it Deacon yeah, Batista? Something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, I think it was. But we Survivor Series, uh, where we're talking about brand supremacy. Um, we get a Devon Dudley. Uh, return in this match uh, to end the match with a 3D, uh, just a really good match for what it was. You know, I talk about a lot of Gaga through some of these matches and I, I rate them lower. I gave this three and a half stars. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this kickoff uh, between three minute warning Rico and uh, the Dudley boys with Jeff Hardy. Uh, PJ, how'd you feel about this opening match? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I want to talk, I want to touch a little bit for the opening of the pay-per-view. Um, the, their opening, the opening song, by the way, is always by the, by the band saliva and holy shit. They, I counted, they played this song 13 times during the pay-per-view. I'm so glad that you counted. Cause I was wondering. Myself. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like this is worse than in bad boys too, where they just kept playing shake your tail feather. Uh, but anyway, well, no, match, hold on, hold on. Before, before you say it, since you counted after this match, we get a live concert of saliva performing always from what was called the world previously known as WWE New York, New York. So, yeah. So and you know, it, it, you know, me being a musician and me, you know, I, you know, slime is all right. You know, uh, uh, not my best cup of tea, um, but they're okay. And I actually did hate the live version. I, I was like, all right, he's actually singing pretty well. And they're actually playing it really well. And he wasn't lip syncing either. It was, it was oh, legit. Yeah, tell, I, I, thought, yeah. I thought that was fun. Uh, but to the match here, I actually hate table matches and I'll tell you why. Um, not only do we we have great talent in this match, but 
this no sell table break that you get from Rosie right at the beginning of the match, like really just soured the match for me. Um, we get uh, Rosie stumbling and he ran into the table in the corner and it broke, but somehow that didn't count. And I get it where it's supposed to be like, you have to put your opponent through the table, but I mean, it's, we're still supposed to believe that going through a table hurts. So Rosie goes through a table, no sells it, and then is right back up to obviously catch Jeff for that botched cross body. But that Listen, bothered the sh- that bothered what, me. What do you, what do you always say about trying to add logic to illogical conversation? I, I like, understand. I feel like we should change the name of the podcast to illogical, like logically illogical with PJ and Bully. Like that's what I, I mean. I just uh, if we're uh, that, if you're if we're trying to have the illusion of like going through these thin tables hurt, no. but. Motherfucker, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. We shouldn't even be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but if no, that yeah. was, but if, but if that's the case, let's just shut the whole thing down and the series down because we could always just say that's not logical. Fuck it, you know. He tried no. to set him on fire, or he, he threw him. You know. Anyway. No, uh, I get but, it. No, I'm, I'm but, with you though. I'm, I'm right no, yeah. with you. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Seeing Rosie and Jamal, you know who they made me miss for real? Who's that? They made me miss AOP, Authors of Pain. Oh shit. Yeah. And the whole time I'm watching these guys, I'm like, God damn, I miss authors of pain. And like, these guys are totally, you know, different obviously, but it just, it really just made me think of those guys, man. Anyway. Uh, I also wrote the Swanton spot just never gets old. I'd never get tired of seeing a Jeff Hardy Swanton. Nope. Uh, I, you know, Jamal with that frog splash outside, was just terrific. I actually forgot Devon comes out. They're telling a really good story here. Um, I really did. And I really did enjoy this match. I gave it about three stars. We went 14 minutes, 22 seconds, kind of a long match. Um, but that was what you get for an elimination tables match. I get it. After yeah. the match, after the match we get, I actually wrote, um, Stacey Keebler is cutting a promo and she's saying something about test and testicles. I, I didn't know what we were doing there, but we have, I wrote down live performance dot, dot, dot skip. And then I was at, and then I rewrote it and then I rewrote it actually not bad. And it's not bad. It, 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 <laughs> it wasn't but, terrible. It but was not. And, and I love the vignettes in between the live performance. That was really fun. I really did enjoy that. Yeah, it was. So this was a, a period in time where WWE got really into the video vignettes. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah, they, and did. they were they were always so good. I kind of wish they would go back, but the music today I don't think would fit. Um, See, I was talking to Lauren about that, and uh, my, my wife, for those who don't know, my wonderful wife Lauren, she supports me in my wrestling, uh, I'll say religion, because it's the closest thing I have to it. So, um, But she supports me in that. She watches every now and again. She was watching this pay-per-view with me, and she mentioned that. And I kind of had the same thing where it was like some of this new, you know, the newer music that, you know, showing my boomer here, but, you know, especially the heavy, hard rock and heavy metal just didn't really do it a lot for me anymore. Um, and then, but I, then I remembered a couple of pay-per-views ago, not very far ago, we had straight to hell by Ozzy Osbourne as one of their songs, yeah. uh, which is off, her, off their new, off his new record, ordinary man, newest record, ordinary man. And I could have seen a great vignette to that. I mean, straight to hell tonight. I mean, that was, you know, really killer. So I agree with you. I would like to see those back um, uh, with certain songs. They were so, man, they were, they were so fun. They did a lot of really good ones with Creed. I know Creed gets a lot of hate, uh, but there were a lot of really good vignettes, especially around, I think, New Year's. Oh, my um, God. New Year's. Are you talking about when Triple H, are you talking about with Triple H tore his quad? And there was the Creed song when he was coming back to the ring and no, like training no. and shit. 
Okay, because that was that no, was the corniest damn thing I've seen. There was, there was a series of just like, um, and even Kid Rock. There was one Kid Rock one that was really good, um, but it was just the way they would. Uh, it was it was it was almost like storytelling with music, and they would just. I mean, uh, we we might have to we might have to look up some of these old vignettes and and talk about them. Uh, but real quick, we mentioned we both mentioned the Swanton in this match off the uh, out of the crowd. Um, this is one of the more iconic you know, looks that we've gotten from the Swanton. It's, it's been used over and over again. He goes up into the crowd and from the upper deck jumps off and Swanton's through the table on the floor in front of the entrance. Um, a really fun spot. If you haven't seen it, uh, you probably have and just don't realize it because it was, uh, this is one of those iconic Jeff Hardy spots. I did want to mention that. Um, and that's but, that he he did that at WrestleMania, I believe tw- not, not 2001. No, 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 no. It was WrestleMania. Um, it was the triple threat ladder match that he did. I mean, maybe it was WrestleMania 2000 or WrestleMania 16. Uh, and I think he did that there as well, or it was that SummerSlam. I can't remember. I, I can't remember. I can't line up the, the triple threat tat or the triple threat ladder matches or TLCs. Uh, I get confused by them, but he Either did way, that. He yeah. did that spot in the, in the, uh, in the entrance way at one of those. I want to jump back real quick. What you're talking about with the vignettes. So you realize that Survivor Series 2001, um, during the um, the team WWE versus or team WWF versus team Alliance, there was a great vignette to a band that I had just discovered at that time that actually has my band blocked on Facebook, and that's Puddle of Mud. No uh, way. Oh, yeah, it's real life. But Puddle of Mud has that song. Um, Oh my God! I I'm just now forgetting it. It's uh, I like the way you look at me. Oh yeah, I like the way you smack my ass. Like yeah. oh, anyway, um, I control. I am in control. I was you, getting whatever. there. I was I was yeah. doing the song in my head. But, while you were but they yeah. had a great vignette. A great vignette uh, during that song in that last pay per view in Survivor Series 2001, just a year before. So when you talk about vignettes, you are absolutely right. That was the year for that, and that is true. Ladies and gentlemen, that puddle of mud has my band Guardians Warlock blocked on Facebook because I just kept trolling them after uh, Puddle of Mud did that cover of About a Girl. Oh by my god! And I just kept trolling them, and then we actually did an acoustic video covering that song and did it just a little bit better. You know, not great, but it was a little bit better. And um, so, we were you tagged- were you covering the Nirvana version or were you covering the Puddle of Mud version? So actually, like I started the first verse with the Puddle of Mud version, and then we we booked it to where like my guitarist, actually it was my drummer at the time, Danny, uh, was playing guitar at the time, and and he budged me and he was like, no, 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 do it right, do it nice, do it right, and then I did it <laughs> correctly. So it was more like I need a heathen friend and then it was like you know do it nice and i was like and then i redid it and we, we yeah. did it but but we tagged him in there and then yeah they they actually have us blocked on facebook and i'm very proud of that that's hysterical they probably have a lot of people blocked it if you haven't heard this uh about a girl by nirvana it was a really good song uh kurt cobain you know rest in peace um the uh the puddle of mud <laughs> version <laughs> it's <laughs> It sounds like he's straining for a poop every time he tries to hit that high note. Like it's really bad. And you know what's so bad about bad. it is like he was he came out, he was like, Yeah, we had, we had some pro-. by the way, that was not done live. It was recorded and then they put it out. So it's like you had to have listened to it. If it sucks, don't put it out, redo it. 
Like, oh, just, I yeah. hated the excuses of it. I, anyway, well, we can go all day on talking about music. They don't want to yeah. hear us talk about music. They want to hear us talk about the next match, which is for the WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Oh, Billy Kidman going against the champion, Jamie Noble, with Nidia, who Nidia was actually the winner of Tough Enough that year. Um, the women's version of Tough Enough. You had uh, her and then, of course, Maven. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, Let me ask you a question, PJ. Yeah. What's your favorite memory of Jamie Noble? Because I'm going to give you mine. Oh, obvious. We're going to Applebee's, baby. No, my my favorite memory of Jamie, Jamie Noble is when he debuted with Nidia to attack the Hurricane on his way to win the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. He's like, "Name Jamie Noble, boy, better remember it." And then he walked away. Like that's that's. Oh, I do remember that. There was a yeah. post. There was a post in our wrestling because that was that that was that was that King of the Ring where he yeah. did that. There yeah. was a there was a post in our our wrestling chat Suplex City that asked what memory lives in your head rent-free, and that's one of them, and I don't know why. You mentioned uh, Jamie Noble defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Billy Kidman. Uh, PJ, why don't you start us off? Tell us how you felt about this Cruiserweight Championship match here in 2002. Uh, nothing special. Uh, seven minutes, 29 seconds here. Great match. I di- I wrote, man, I, I wrote that... Uh, I-, I was kind of confused the champ coming out first here with Jamie Noble coming out uh, first, but... Um, uh, you know, I wrote here, I know you're probably going to disagree with me on this, but if Kidman was in the business right now, that fucker could be world champ. He always looked good. He was super talented, super underrated, man. Uh, I'm a huge Billy Kidman, Mark, and that fucker never ages either, and he's still married to Tori Wilson. No, he's not. Um, he's oh, not he's married. not? No, Tori Wilson has been divorced, and re- she just remarried a couple years ago. They were they were divorced a long time ago. No shit. All right, well, then I... I, I well. Poor guy. Anyway, but I, I really, I really think Kidman could could be a top player. Um, His uh, shooting in the, in the star press is alone the reason why I don't think he could. He never like there was a couple times where he hit it pretty, but he just he didn't get enough dis- distance, and it always scared me he was going to hurt himself or hurt somebody else. That, that's so the I, one I, I Well, obviously, when you get distance, uh, it doesn't really work out, does it, Brock Lesnar? Ooh, I mean, uh, that's mm. anyway. You continue with this match because I'm I'm not gonna get into that because that that's not the same. I think his was just the lack of rotation. If Kidman could get the rotation that he gets with that distance, he would he would nail his shooting star press. It's one of the prettiest finishers in wrestling when done right. But Kidman, uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't it's sort of sort of like the. Uh, what is his name? He went by Evan Evan Bourne in WWE. Uh, Matt Seidel. Um, his top rope stuff is sort of the same way. But I digress. Let's get back to the Cruiserweight Championship match here. Oh, my God. I really don't want to move on. I want to argue with you. But we'll move on here. No, I was a little taken back, too, with they ha- why they let Jamie Noble wrestle in jean shorts. This is not a John Cena uh, bit by the way but i remember when billy kidman came to the wwe one of the biggest things that vince said i hate the jean shorts put him in tights put put him in tights long haired fucker put him in tights and then a year later we have jamie noble being able to wrestle in jean shorts i thought that was weird i guess it does fit his character uh i did write in my notes jamie noble looks like he could be from goose creek 
um, which is a park <laughs> here, which is a shitty fucking town here in South Carolina. If you're from Goose Creek, I'm so sorry. I also know that. Creek. Com- I can also hear that in the commercial down there at the. Uh, yeah. Oh my Goose god. Goose Creek. Uh, I wrote in my notes that there's blood in the ring. Where did that come from? Do you know? I was wondering the same thing because I did not. Unless there was blood in the tables match that we missed, I maybe. did not see it. Maybe they got. Maybe uh, Rico got cut on the 3d at the end of that match, but I did not see the blood. If you guys could, uh, you know, um, put in, uh, on bullies, Twitter there and tap out some touchdowns, uh, please let us know where you saw the blood because obviously we missed something. Maybe and we blinked our eyes too quick. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of great, uh, moves here that at the time, nobody really knew the name of, we had a Falcon arrow here. We had a wonderful face buster from the top. Um, I mean, a lot is a lot of good innovation here. Love this match. We get a shooting star press for the um, uh, for the finish there. You know, I think he would have he would have finished even harder if Billy Kidman just would have got just a little bit more rotation on that uh, shooting star press. But I digress. I guess your new cruiserweight champion is Billy Kidman, whether the shooting star press ruled or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I gave this match three stars. Uh, if you've ever watched Parks and Rec, I, I, I wrote in my notes that uh, Nydia looks uh, like a thicker Mona Lisa Saperstein, uh, the oh sister my God. to uh, John Raffio Saperstein. Anyway, um, again, like you mentioned, uh, both really good action out of both of these guys. I forgot the Cruiserweights were exclusive to SmackDown during this time frame. I wish they would go back. I thought it was dumb when they tried to bring the Cruiserweight cruiserweights back and put them on raw i knew it was a mistake and that's why they're on nxt now um i I mentioned that that ddt spot jamie noble hit the randy orton ddt off the top rope yes he did did not finish billy kidman this this spot would eventually like help create randy orton's uh aura and uh you know his his you know legend killer like put people out out of business um but again uh I, I I love the match. I mean, the first match was three and a half stars. Like this match, three stars. A really good start to this pay per view. Uh, as you mentioned, Billy Kidman, the new cruiserweight champion. I did I did want to mention that this was only less than twenty years ago, and it was still weird seeing the men get physical with the women. Uh, Billy Kidman would get physical with Nydia, who would try to interfere. Um, she would try to grab him as he uh, you know walked to the top rope. He would kind of kick her down. Uh, but nevertheless, a really good three-star match here. Leading into a backstage segment here uh, where we get Angle and Benoit. Uh, Angle's trying to get Benoit on board. He's always so good with these backstage segments. And then we get uh, that followed up with a really dumb Victoria Angle where she does the mirror, mirror on the wall bullshit. Uh, yeah, I hate it. I'm gonna I want to talk real quick about that the angle and Benoit promo just real quick. I don't know if one of them was lost or something. It just, it didn't seem to flow very well to me. And it's like the next person didn't know what to say. Uh, either that, or my other theory was like, they were trying too hard for the what chance. And because during that time, the workers uh, at the time, because the, the that what chant was so hot that, promos would you know have beats in them to where yeah. the crowd would say what 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 and it seemed like that's what they were trying to do it was a lame promo and then i chuckled when you know angle goes to hug benoit and then you get another strange promo like you just mentioned with victoria in the mirror and it, it did not 
didn't, didn't work for well. me. It didn't yeah. work for me. Uh, however, what did work for me is this next match. Um, and I, I think that this match was the best on the car besides the triple threat tag. In my opinion, this match was insane. Uh, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick us off here. The WWE, we, we mentioned the, the Victoria segment would lead us into the women's championship match here. Hardcore rules. Victoria challenging Trish Stratus. Um, you know, I remember as a kid, I did not think, uh, I did not like Victoria. I didn't, I didn't, you know, didn't like her look, didn't like her demeanor, but she is stunningly gorgeous and so good and very underrated in the ring for this time frame. Um, of course, uh, King made a comment about her being a witch and the first weapon that she pulled out uh, for this match was a broom. Um, a really, you know, talking about the broom, a lot of really fun spots with the broom. Um, I don't care what people say about the current group of women wrestlers in WWE. These two can go. And Trish was a great seller uh, for Victoria in this match. Um, we get a fun spot where we catapult Victoria into the wedge trash can uh, in the ring. Um, the gimmick ironing board. They try to use an ironing board. Obviously, two women, <laughs> two women in a match. Let's pull out an ironing board. And they could not get it to set up right. Um, they're giving it all here. Victoria, I think she busts her nose. They're nailing each other with these weapons. They pulled a mirror into the ring. You think this is going to work? And very promptly, Trish steps on it and ruins it. Um, Botch of the night nominee. We get an ugly bulldog counter. Uh, then Victoria went for the mirror, and it was broken. She couldn't use it. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, yeah. what a funny spot. Um, I did blink, and the match was over. Uh, there was a fire extinguisher spot. Uh, and then a snap suplex for the win by Victoria. I guess this is before Widow's Peak, or for whatever reason, they were like, we need to we need to take this home. And she wins with a snap suplex. Underwhelming finish. The match itself was three and a half stars. PJ, what do you have to add about the women's championship match here at Survivor Series 02? I think this match should be looked at a lot closer. Um, not by... Not not in regards to what you just not, not anything that you just said. I I, I just talking about in general. I think this match was super important because what did I just talk about at the beginning of this match? We went from a brawn panties paddle on a pole match to a stiff hardcore wrestling match between two women. I think this match is super important, um, and I think that because we finally have st are starting to get more women's wrestling. And I know it goes back and forth here. We still get a little bit of brawn panties. In a couple years, we're going to get Lita doing a, a sex thing with Edge on live TV. So it's still not there yet. But god damn, is this a great first step. I mean, this match is stiff. It's a breath of fresh air. I literally wrote that. Um, just really, really good stuff here. And they are going at it. Like you said earlier, great selling here. They're telling a fantastic story. Uh, I did write great finish, but no widow's peak here. Um God, it's, you know, everyone talks about Trish being a great worker. Victoria was just as good, if not a little bit better than Trish here. I mean, she could, she could really work. And I thought it was fantastic. Um, can't, can't say good enough good things about this match, honestly. Great fire extinguisher spot. Took a little bit to get going, but I'm seeing a fire extinguisher spot and a hardcore women's match. It, it, it's terrific. I love it. Um, and we get a new women's champion here, Victoria, in seven minutes and one second. I really, really dug this match, Ryan. I really did. What a great match, and, and what a great match to, to kind of get us to the halfway point of this pay-per-view. And if we're at the halfway point of the pay-per-view, we're at the halfway point of the show. 
We're going to take a short break. Got to pay the bills. We'll be right back and we'll finish up Survivor Series 2002. And we are back. Uh, we, we've got some, some really fun stuff coming here in the second half of Survivor Series 02. Uh, we, get, we kick it right off with a backstage segment here. Eric Bischoff in the Big Show, who he just traded to SmackDown. Uh, and we get a Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar segment. Uh, you know, the Brock Lesnar-Paul stuff, uh, very reminiscent of, of today. Uh, so to speak, or at least of the last few years before he became the, uh, the, the, I guess, the manager of Roman Reigns, which leads us into the, you've already mentioned earlier in the show, WWE Championship is on the line as Brock Lesnar defends against the Big Show. Uh, before we get into the match, PJ, I know this is the Undisputed Championship that was used to consolidate the world title and the WWE title. This is my least favorite incarnation of the WWE Championship. I really? I did not like it. It reminds, it honestly reminds me of what the Intercontinental Championship looks like now. Um, I liked the big gold belt. I love the big gold belt. I love the wing, wing eagle belt. I'm one of the few who liked the Attitude Era belt better than the wing eagle belt. That belt would go away with the Undisputed Championship. Um... You know, I, obviously the smoking skull belt was one of my favorite belts of all time. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, the Attitude Era belt being replaced with this was just super underwhelming. Um, we would go from this to the spinning, you know, the, the spinner titles for John Cena. Uh, I can't, I can't argue that that belt, was, this belt was better than that one, but this is still my least favorite version. But let's get off of the title here. PJ, why don't you start us off because you were really excited about this match. Brock Lesnar versus the Big Show. I was excited for this match of how of, of the finish. Uh, I did write in the uh, in the the little interview vignette that we had. You ever see Wolf of Wall Street? Who hasn't seen Wolf of Wall Street? What a great movie that was. I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there may be some people who have been living under a rock. And, uh, but there's a part where Brock Lesnar, or excuse me, there's a part in this vignette interview where Brock says, I'm not leaving. And all I could think of was like, I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. That's all I could think the of. The show must go on. The show must go on. I'm not fucking leaving. The crowd cheers. Anyway, I always get goosebumps and I always get a little smile on my face when I hear Taz go, here comes the pain. Uh, we get Lesnar coming out, champion out first again. Uh, Babyface Lesnar is different, but it's still good. Match goes off without a hitch. We only go four minutes and 19 seconds here. I'm a little bothered uh, Lesnar doing all these big pickups and slams. It's getting a lot of pops, but he's not selling his ribs a whole lot. Uh, not loving that. Uh, this poor ref, fucking Mike Yoda, gets fucked up during this match. He gets stiffed out of the ring. And then we, of course, we get Paul Heyman betraying Brock Lesnar, the man who he has been with since he debuted, uh, betrays him to have Brock Lesnar, or excuse me, to have Big Show smack him with the uh, chair, and we get a new WWE Champion and Big Show, which 
overdue in my opinion. I don't know if uh, he was the right guy to take it off Lesnar. In fact, I don't believe he was the right guy. I think that was silly. I think they just kind of wanted to just switch things up, do something new with uh, with Heyman here. Um, but it didn't matter because Lesnar was about to be on his way out anyway, so nothing really matters. I literally, I literally wrote this as a cheap pop match. I give it one and a half stars. Um, but, you know, it, it was okay. Definitely the least, least, um, the least, the least, the worst show on the card, or the worst, uh, excuse me, the worst match on the card. You're going to call me crazy? I gave this match three stars. Man, listen to you. I, you don't, um, you don't like the shooting star press. You don't like the, the gold and black belt. You gave this match three stars. You're seeing dimes, cutting onions. What are we doing here, George? You know, I, I'll give you my notes here. I asked what Big Show was out here doing out here in jeans. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the Big Show, uh, I just, I don't get it. Like, did he forget his tights? Did he rip his tights? Did he shit his tights? Like, what is he doing in jeans out here? Um, you know, Did you I'll, ask Shawn Michaels why he was in jeans when uh, he took on Triple H in the, in the street fight? No, and I'll tell you why. Because it was, it was first, a street fight. It was a street fight, and it was his first back, match back. You thought this is going to be a street fight and you weren't going to get like a whole bunch of bumps. And obviously that turned around very quickly. Nevertheless, uh, it made a little more sense for him than it did Big Show, I guess. I feel like Big Show, I don't know, something about like really tall dudes in jeans always kind of weirds me out. And I don't know why, because jeans are for everybody. But a seven foot four guy, like imagine the inseam on those jeans, how long, I mean, you can't buy jeans from like Walmart or like, uh, <laughs> He goes to the big and tall, the big and tall spot. Yeah, but even then, anyway. By the way, by the way, I do want to correct myself. Lesnar was not on his way out here. That was WrestleMania 20. I forget this is actually going to lead to WrestleMania 19 with him and Angle. So my apologies. No, it's okay. Not forgiven. Uh, Unforgiven, as we'll see Uh, later. uh, Listen to you. Nevertheless, um, I, I continue my notes here. Suplex City, alive and well in 2002, hit a couple of Germans on the big show, so it's not relatively new that he was hitting suplexes. Um, there were some unprotected headshots from the, from, you know, with the chair on the show that were just cringy, knowing, again, what we know now. Um, loved Heyman with that double cross. You mentioned you were excited for it. I honestly forgot Big Show was the first person to ever beat Brock Lesnar. Uh, but if there was a time to do it, you got to let Heyman be the one to turn on him and get Big Show the title, as you said, overdue. Uh, a nice, you know, there's never the right time or wrong time to take a title off of somebody. I think this was, this was the right time to do it so that you could get some, uh, you know, some, some furthering storylines that Paul Heyman's now uh, accompanying the big show, Brock Lesnar's on his own. Uh, but unlike, unlike PJ, I gave this match three stars. I really enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed the match. Uh, but but let's move along here. Next, well, next hold on. Up. I want to I, I want to touch on this. I'm not I, I'm not debating that when there was a right or right time to take the belt off of of Lesnar. What I'm debating is was Big Show the right guy? Was Big Show the right guy to give Lesnar his first L? I don't think so. Uh, it's a couple not things. With, not with that roster that you have right there. I mean, like Big Show didn't need to be. You know, I've always said that if you're gonna have something big like that where it's a first loss or the breaking of a streak hint, hint or whatever, it should go to someone who needs it. It should have got, you know, when we talk about Les, we talk about taker. 
uh, it, it should have gone to Bray Wyatt the next the next year. Lesnar didn't need to take the streak, just like Big Show here didn't need to break Lesnar's streak. Could have gone to any one of these other gentlemen that are in this that are um, that are in the uh, roster that maybe need a rub. My opinion. So here's so here's my my point of view. So Brock Lesnar is the next big thing. He's this this monster, right? So now you've got Big Show, who Paul Heyman is stressing like. You can't beat Big Show. This dude's 500 pounds. You're not going to be able to get him up for the F5, though he does. Um, this guy, this guy is not beatable. Like you're, this is the guy you're not going to be able to beat. So, like you already try to set up Lesnar to be the underdog. Now, Paul, it's going to take not only the monster that is the Big Show, but now it's going to take Paul Heyman turning on you to take the title off of you. From, again, logic versus a logic, uh, from a logical standpoint, it makes sense that nobody could beat Brock Lesnar, that not even Big Show could beat Brock Lesnar without the help of Paul Heyman, and that's why it made sense to me why Big Show was the guy to do it. So you're saying that it did this so that you can keep still keep Brock Lesnar strong? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I can, I can accept that. I can accept that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, not, I'm, you know. I guess that guy, Brock Lesnar, I guess he ends up having a pretty good career. Um, it was, it was so-and-so. Let, so let, so, let me, let me, yeah, let me just, um, uh, let me just go for a little bit there. Uh, the following month, uh, you know, Kurt Angle would go on to defeat Big Show, uh, ending just one month as a reign of WWE champion. Then you go on to Royal Rumble, where obviously uh, Lesnar goes on to win Rumble. And then, of course, we get WrestleMania 19. That's, you know, a couple months in the future. So, yeah, it's not a big deal. That like I just I, you know I'm I'm looking at this going like man and then that's my other thing, uh, bully. When you talk about it right there, uh, Big Show is the first guy to defeat Lesnar, and then they do absolutely nothing with it. He gets a month as a reign of a champion, and then he goes away. So I just think we should just just follow through a little bit more with that. But I agree with you that this does keep Lesnar strong because it did take a betrayal um, just to defeat him. So I'm with you. Yeah, you know WWE miss has 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 a history of missing the boat doing stuff like this. Uh, for instance, taking the title off of Drew McIntyre for a month to give Randy Orton just another like filler title run in 2020. Didn't make sense. Didn't further along Randy Orton's career. Didn't further along Drew McIntyre's career. It was just an, an, another way to pad stats, not only giving Randy Orton another title run, but giving Drew McIntyre a second title run. So he did the same thing to Bray Wyatt, except Bray Wyatt didn't get his bat. They put the match, they put the belt on Randy Orton for some reason. I feel like when Vince loses faith in somebody or he, um, or he gets nervous, he just turns to Randy Orton and says, here you go. You, I, I try, I can at least trust you. And I guess I get it in a standpoint of business where it's like, you gave this guy an assignment. Ah, oh, shit. I don't know if this guy's going to be able to do it. I'm having second thoughts. You know what? Let me give it to my other guy, Randy Orton. He's usually always has my assignments on time. He puts the cover sheets in the TPS reports. He can fucking <laughs> do it. So, I mean, I guess I get it, but let's move on here. I'm not trying to talk about current product. I'm talking about better product. And talking about better product leads us into this triple threat elimination tag team match for the WWE Tag Team Champions. God, these guys go 20 minutes here. This match is insane. Uh, any uh, any objection to me kicking us off here, Billy? Yeah, real quick, before you go in there, there was a build-up video for the next match uh, with Stephanie McMahon stressing about this, you know, giving a little promo. Um, Honestly, yeah. this was where she looked her best, in my opinion. You ain't fucking lying, boy. Absolutely, like, licked the screen, and she looked so good, like, 
holy shit. And again, I don't like, I, I'm not trying to objectify women here, but she looked gorgeous. You could see why Triple H would leave China for her or why, why he would leave anybody for her that, for that matter. But she's just stunning here as the SmackDown GM. But as you mentioned, leads us into the Triple Threat Tag Team Elimination match here uh, for the Tag Team Championships on SmackDown. Edge and Rey Mysterio defends against Angle and Benoit and Los Guerreros. So, PJ, as you wish, kick us off here for this Tag Team Title Elimination Triple Threat match. So, I'm loving... uh, First of all, we see a Don Marie... um, appearance for some reason which was super random um but yeah this has been no hold on so the the don marie angle was she was just engaged to tori wilson's dad that's what it was that was was the angle she was and and, and it was for it was for his money right yeah and uh yeah what a weird angle but again strange this was right after right outside of the 90s right outside of the attitude era so it makes sense for this time it was very jerry um but yeah you're right that was with this vignette um it does feel like a big tag match feel. And it's been a long time since we've had a big tag match have this have this feel like this. I loved it. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if you're counting at home, every single championship that's been on the line tonight has changed so far. So keep keep up with that because uh, it just it's a trend that just might keep going towards the end of this pay per view. Um, we get lawnmower jokes uh, for some reason with Los Guerreros, and I get we're being super racist here, which makes you know it just <laughs> super fucking racist. <laughs> I mean, like it's okay. it's super fucking ignorant, but it's like why lawnmowers? I like is I get the joke is like Mexicans do lawn work and they're awesome at it. Why is that? And this is why are you this you was, know? But this was before I forgot what the team t- name, name of their team was. Oh, but this uh, was Hoovy Two Guerrero, super crazy psychosis. It was uh, Mexicools. Mexicools, and they would come to the ring on riding lawnmowers. So, and you know, but it, 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 super fucking random to me, and just showed the ignorance of some wrestling fans of that time. Not uh, the but, fans, the writers. It was well, the. It was, well, the but, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about with Eddie and Chavo. They weren't coming out with lawnmowers. The crowd was just saying like, "Hey, lawnmowers!" Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes that makes. Yeah, they, they just had signs. They just said. Yeah. That's why I was like, "Whoa, there's a lot of lawnmower signs." Yeah. They actually the camera, and I guess it is, you know, the shitty camera work because maybe Vince saw that was like, ah, shitty racist signs. Put your camera on that because they yeah. did that like four times with lawnmower oh, jokes. All, yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we get a big pop for Angle here, man. Uh, I thought that was really fun. A lot of you sucks, obviously. Um, you're going to slap me next time you see me for this. But, man, I love Edge's Rob Zombie theme, and I love it better than Alter Bridge. I really do. It's I remember that guitar riff when it kicks in, and I forgot that he had this theme. And maybe it was just nostalgic kicking no, in again. But I agree completely. I like this theme better than the one that he I love it. I love and, this theme. I get goosebumps. I got goosebumps watching this batch, watching this back. Uh, and it always occurred. They kind of, you know, time music right um, in this era. Every time Edge would slide in the ring, it would be at the part where Rob was like, scream if you want it. Like, it just sounded so good. Like, anyway, love that theme. Great spots here as well, man. We are getting a barn burner of a tag team match here. Love it. There's a lot going on, but it's it's more of like a controlled chaos. Really enjoy it. We get a sunset flip German here, which is out of this world. Great spot. Um, man, we get... 
already Eddie and Chavo lying and cheating and stealing their way here. We get, of course, elimination with Kurt Angle and Benoit, and the crowd is booing. They really wanted, I think, specifically Angle to uh, retain these or to get these belts back. But uh, either way, we get Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit getting eliminated here. Um, we get kind of lost during the finish, it looks like, uh, between uh, Edge Mysterio and the Los Guerreros. A little bit of a loss of where we're at here. But, um, at the end of the, we get a great finish with Los Guerreros standing on top, and we have new tag team champions in Eddie and Tribal, which would begin an incredible run for them. They would go on to um, do numerous tag matches, have numerous tag team champions, and at that point, excuse me, at that point is when they'd start doing the low rider gimmicks. Really great stuff here. The beginning of a lot of cool things for this team and Eddie Guerrero in particular. So I enjoyed this match, man. I gave this match four stars. I gave this match four stars as well. A lot of the same things that you said about this match I loved. Um, this match did, however, make me sad for so many reasons. Uh, obviously, uh, Benoit, uh, Eddie Guerrero no longer being here. Uh, just so many, so many things. Uh, I did write four of the six stars in this match were made and started their careers becoming stars in WCW. You get Rey Mysterio, Benoit, and both of Los Guerreros. Uh, we're, we're big at WCW. Um, botch of the night here. Well, hold Ray- on, hold on, hold on. I have to mention here, those same stars first got their start in ECW. Okay. Including including Kurt Angle almost. He That's, was almost yeah. in, in, in ECW. But yeah, then he that, saw, that then he saw Sam Angle get crucified. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I – but – and. All, only because I, I hate giving Eric Bischoff so much credit in his in his career. But Eddie Chavo, Mysterio, and I won't count Angle, obviously, but and Benoit uh was were in ECW rocking shit until WCW just was able to offer them more money. Yeah. But you are right. They got they got big in WCW. They became stars but, of WCW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh Botch of the Night nominee nominee where Ray Nom- got, nominee nominee. Uh where he, Ray got caught up in the top rope getting whipped. Uh, tried and then there was another try, another spot where he tried to land on the top uh, corner, almost killed himself. I don't know if you remember seeing that spot where like he yes. was trying. To, oh my god! Um, you know, I I did write there was a spot in the match where they had the ankle lock and the cross face on, but the ref wouldn't wouldn't count the double team. Um, wouldn't they wouldn't count it? Like the ref wouldn't allow it. They're not going to let somebody tap out, but he allowed the sunset flip uh, German suplex double team, and he called a pin for it. Yeah, uh, didn't make sense. Uh, great storytelling. Uh, you mentioned Chavo lying, cheating, and stealing. Um, loved it. Uh, I did write Jesus. I really miss Eddie Guerrero. Um, I don't, I yeah. don't care what anybody says. He, he was always so good. Um, and, and it wasn't any different here. Um, a great double team by Edge to launch Mysterio for the Hurricane Rana to Eddie from the top rope. And then we get a lasso from El Paso. Oh, man, it was so good. Like you said, Four stars, uh, Los Guerreros kicking it off here, uh, where we actually get you know some of the some of the best work Chavo Guerrero ever did in his career. Um, you mentioned before this match that every title had changed hands. Every single title has changed hands so far, even going into this uh, this this main event match. But before we get to the main event, we get a weird segment here, uh, but it gives us the debut of an all-time great who refuses to go into the WWE Hall of Fame, responsible for quite quite possibly the best promo in wrestling history. Uh, to start us off, we get Christopher Nowinski. Weird seeing this guy knowing what he'll go on to do with concussion research. Um, 
again, uh, post WCW or post ECW, I should say, uh, WWF Attitude Era, we get a shut the fuck up chant. And then we, here we get Matt Hardy version 1.0, V1, to interrupt the promo, sort of kind of hints that he's going to, he's going to, you know, play the baby face in this role, only to tack on with the heel work that Nowitzki was doing, uh, getting really funny shots at both the Yankees and the Knicks here at Madison Square Garden. And then we get the sirens uh, coming through the, the, the PA system and a holler, if you hear me. Scott Steiner has debuted in WWE as Big Papa Pump. I don't think he ever got a bigger pop than Madison Square Garden Survivor Series 2002. God, uh, it was, you know, I had forgotten that that happened too, and I popped. I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm going, I literally wrote in my notes. I, I'll take you through it. I'll, I, I wrote, who is this? Piss break, question mark. Shut the fuck up, Chance. Holy fuck, holla. Like, that, <laughs> that, was, that was how, and then I put, put forgot this debut crowd loves this smart debut i mean like i i was sitting there i'm like what the fuck are we doing and then i hear the the siren i'm like holy shit i why did i how did i forget that this happened great debut here you have two guys out there bullshitting new york then you had he didn't need the guy's not even from new york comes out here whips ass and then goes like come on new york how if you hear me they're like yes we love scott steiner all of a sudden like this was great Great debut, man. I miss that song. Scott Steiner kind of got a bad fucking rap in WWE. He should have he hit him and him and Triple H had some good matches for the world title later on down the road. Uh, they should have put the strap on Steiner, in my opinion. Um, really I, good stuff here, man. This this one, two things. One, uh, I love seeing him beat the shit out of these guys and cut his uh, big pop pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. All you freaks out there, I just love that, love that that little promo, and uh, it also made me sad that we never got a Steiner Brothers reunion in WWE later on. Yeah, um, and it, it, you you heard that the crowd was like, well, like they were they were who 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 yeah like they during, were barking yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, barking I guess that's the word for it yeah, yeah the, the who who whoing that's yeah, what we're gonna I call it going forward. <laughs> well like uh, it's like it's like in like children's books where it's like the dog says bow wow it's like when the fuck does a dog, say, never heard bow, a dog wow. say bow wow and then there's there's wolf and rough when does a dog say rough anyway i can go all yeah. day but anyway yeah so the who 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 is barking yeah. ladies and gentlemen yeah but so we we go from the scott steiner reunion to a promo that hbk is is being interviewed for his title match and it's interrupted by none other than a young randy orton we mentioned him a few times in the show we get a long-haired injured randy orton interrupting uh hbk i think it was a little premonition uh, of what would come with evolution as he would, you know, he would join Triple H and, and Ric Flair as the young guy of Evolution. Um, again, we mentioned it multiple times in the show. We get another really sweet video package leading us, uh, leading us into the main event, the Elimination Chamber debut for the World Heavyweight Championship as Triple H defends against Rob Van Dam, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Booker T, and Kane. Uh, you know, I do want to mention before, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor to start us off. There was a live performance of Saliva once again doing there, and I think it was it's better than the Walls of Jericho theme entrance, uh, doing the, uh, the the Y2J alternate to song uh, from WWF New York, the world, whatever you want to call it. As, uh, as Jericho enters, he goes into the pod, 
but they don't cut off the song. I love the song. I love the live entrance from another venue for Jericho, uh, but it went way too long. Jericho just sort of stood around grabbing at the cage, uh, trying to kill some time while we waited for them to end their entrance. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, again, great, great entrance here. Uh, and then the HB Karen haircut with Sean uh, as he would eventually come into the ring. Uh, yeah, good yeah. stuff there. But nevertheless, uh, the Elimination Chamber, I have a ton of notes. So I'm going to give you the floor and let you start us off because I've got a lot to say about this. Uh, to me, this was the best match on the card. But PJ, why don't you start us off here? So I want to mention too, do you think the guy who sang Eric's theme song Eric Bischoff's theme, because Eric Bischoff cuts this weird promo. He comes out and explains the rules of Elimination Chamber, and I've heard this a thousand times during this pay-per-view. Two miles of chain! Okay. So, but do you think that whoever did his theme song also sang Ass Man? There's a chance. I mean, it was it all the same people. It sounds super similar. Anyway, yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, I wrote Jericho theme, question mark, uh, pretty cool. Um, but, anyway, so we get we get really good uh, we get really good entrances here we get the match is it is what it is excuse me it's brutal it's just spot after spot after spot um, this is my favorite era of Kane by the way besides the OG uh, when you know he he's first debuting um, God it's it, I I love that tank top with the ma- half mask love that ship uh, so. And at 13 minutes and 37 seconds, uh, Rob Van Dam, who entered at number one, by the way, was eliminated by Booker T. Um, Booker T was then eliminated by Jericho. Jericho gets two uh, eliminations here after a, I think it was a, I think it was a pedigree to Kane. I wrote it down somewhere. Hold on. Uh, Or maybe I didn't. Shit. Oh, there we go. So, um, yeah, super kick by Shawn Michaels, a pedigree from Triple H, and then a lion salt from Jericho. That finally eliminates Kane, but then also we get Michaels with the sweet chin music uh, to Jericho, which eliminates Jericho. Man, would those guys go on to have an amazing match at WrestleMania 19? Whew, that I one of the that's, to me that's in my top five favorite matches of WrestleMania is Michaels and Jericho. Should have gone longer, honestly. Fantastic match. It also should have gone on when it did. It should have been like the show opener or the show closer, like the, the, I, I like can definitely second, see it as the show opener. Yeah. It was the second match on the card. And they, even Jericho's made comments about the fact that like he wished that match would have been in a different position on the show. Well, Jericho, I got the shaft a lot when it came to WrestleMania because WrestleMania 18, him and triple H went on last yeah. instead of Hogan and rock. And honestly, no one gave a shit about that main event. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, even with triple H coming back and all that shit. Anyway, uh, we're not on WrestleMania. We are on Survivor Series, Steven. Get it together. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the final final elimination here is where we get uh, Michaels delivering, a, or excuse me, Triple H to give him a pedigree to Shawn Michaels. We get the cover. One, two. He kicks out. Man, we're really pulling for Shawn here. This great comeback. Uh, and we get finally a sweet, sweet chin, a sweet, a sweet chin music. A triple H swing. just fall, yeah. <laughs> a swing falls on him for the pin. One, two, three. Shawn Michaels is your new world heavyweight champion. The show ended terrifically, embracing the new one title. Confetti is dropping out. I mean, this is really, I mean, this is good shit here. Loved, loved, loved this main event. 
Uh, loved Mike was going over. I think the right guy went over here. Um, and I want to mention a little bit too. Shawn Michaels is the first to win a lot of matches here. Uh, Hell in a Cell. Yep. He was. Uh, he won. He beat uh, uh, Taker very first Hell in a Cell. Of course, we have um, the very first ever Elimination Chamber. He also won um, the very first uh, ladder match in WWE, which was uh, him and Bret Hart. I did not uh, realize that was the first WWE ladder match. That's wild. Yeah, so there was one ladder match beforehand that was in WWF. I got you. And it was Jake. It was Jake Roberts and oh my god, and Junkyard Dog. But it wasn't. He wasn't called Junkyard Dog at the time. Uh, and uh, fact check out. Fact check that uh, on me, guys, uh, because I could be wrong that it was Junkyard Dog. It could have been somebody else. But anyway, so Jericho, or excuse me, um, uh, Michael's got a lot of firsts here, and we're gonna add this to his repertoire as him being the first ever winner of the Elimination Chamber. Uh, love it here, man. I love. I'm. I'm. I'm I'm loving to hear. I'm really wanting to uh, hear your notes as well, boy. If I can actually get those fucking words out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I, you know, I gave this match five stars. I thought it was the best match on the card uh, for a match that that could have had a lot of Gaga and did. It was really good. Um, I thought it was an interesting stat. This is the first some, uh, Survivor Series that Sean had partaken in since the Montreal screw job. Um, RVD was so good during this era, even though his, a lot of his stuff was slow and methodical, it was still so believable. Um, it had a lot to do with the, I think the people were selling for him, um, man, I did write down that they broke the lash to the cage in the first five minutes. Uh, so funny. They were banging yeah. Triple H's head or RVD's head, whoever it was, I guess the cage, the cage would break. Um, there's not anybody else coming in and Triple H and RVD are going hard early uh, Y2J comes in, immediately gets a fun spot where RVD jumps uh, from the ring to the cage back onto Y2J. Um, and then you've got Booker T coming in doing all of the spin kicks. Uh, you know, this, is, this, is, this match was famous uh, because RVD would, would hit his five-star frog splash off the pod onto Triple H and would crush the esophagus of Triple H um, that would just, you know... Watching the rest of the match, it just makes you wonder how the hell did he not die? Um, yeah. Uh, you, you went through the eliminations. Booker T eliminates RVD with a missile dropkick, throwback to his WCW finisher, uh, saved by a rope break when he goes to pin Triple H. In the chamber, like I get that Triple H, is, he's struggling to breathe right now. So I understand why they allowed the rope break, but I don't think, I think Booker T should have known better and not gone for the pin. Uh, as you mentioned, then here comes the future mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, they, they made it such a point to say that this is bulletproof plexiglass and Kane throws Jericho right through it. Um, uh, loving the lion salt after the Kane chokeslam to eliminate Booker T. And again, I write in my notes, knowing Triple H is fighting for air, fighting for his life right now. Kudos to him for trying to get physically involved, even for a couple of seconds to go for the cover um, or to cover the, for the Booker T pin. Uh, he's doing everything he can to stay involved. And then Kane throwing him off the top rope. You can see Kane grab the head of Triple H so as not to grab the injured throat. Um, I don't know if you caught that or not when he did like the whole like the, the power move off the top. Rope. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, you know, Triple H is coming in or I'm sorry, HBK is coming in. And, you know, if Triple H wasn't hurt at this point, he's going right after uh, Triple H. Uh, but instead he goes he goes elsewhere. The camera did a good job of avoiding Sean checking on Triple H. 
Um, yeah. You, you mentioned you, you see him kind of go over there, making sure he's okay. And then uh, tucking the chin for the chokeslam did, did Triple H. Um, Kane taking all the finishers here to end his time in the chamber. Uh, and again, I keep. Yeah, that was a great spot too. I, I love that. Yeah. I really, I really did enjoy that. You know, I want to mention too, you talk about how Triple H went through the whole match with that. I mean, he's a tough bastard, man. Not only, not, not a little less than a year ago. Um, he worked through the rest of the match with a torn quad. And took later the walls on, of Jericho on the announcement yes, with the torn quad. A couple years later, he would wrestle Kurt Angle and fuck up his quad again and finish the match. I mean, say what you will about Triple H. He, he's the boss's you know, daughter's husband, so he gets what he wants, whatever you want to fucking throw at him. Uh, he Listen, he knew the risk when he was marrying Stephanie. Yeah. But, like, the bastard can fucking work. And he's a great worker. He's a great wrestler. And he's a hell of a talent. And he's a tough bitch. So, I mean. I'm glad you, know, you mentioned it. Because my next note is just, it show, it, it, it's how uncomfortable watching him even walk around at this point. Everybody's checking on him. You see Jericho kind of check on him. Earl Hebner checked on him, which, again, was a funny, funny coincidence. That the Montreal screw job involved Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Earl Hebner. And that's how they would finish this match at Survivor Series. Um, but again, uh, love the psychology behind the Lion Salt taking out Booker and Kane. But then we get uh, Shawn Michaels kicking out of it. Um, and then we kind of saw the, 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 you know, the end coming, saw it coming, but love the Sweet Chin music on Jericho as he had the walls of, J- walls of Jericho on Triple H. And then, again, you know that Triple H uh, is going to go down to Sean for the win. Uh, but HBA getting a crazy pop for winning the world title. God, um, it was, man. It, it was The crowd was so happy. I, I, I wrote my notes. I, I noticed that the Elimination Chamber was meant to be like the lone survivor will be the world champion. But we did not get a traditional Survivor Series match on the show. Uh, but, man, this main event, uh, this whole card even, I know you weren't a fan of the Big Show Brock Lesnar match, but this card was phenomenal. I gave this show a four stars as a as a total show. Um, oh no, so- I, I could I could definitely agree. Like the Big Show and Lesnar thing, like was wasn't that great, but uh, you know it still had a uh, still had a nice little twist in there. Had a decent match for what those big bastards can do. I mean, I did enjoy this paper. I gave it four stars as well. I mean. Every single match was just fucking phenomenal. A lot of people talk about SummerSlam 2002 being great. You overlook Survivor Series 2002. This match is, or this pay per view is incredible. Yeah. Uh, PJ, that brings us to an end to Survivor Series 2002. Uh, next week, we have, uh, I'm looking at my notes here, uh, Battle Bowl 1993. Uh, a, a really fun show coming uh, for next week. But PJ, I know you've got you're, you're taking off or you took off the month of October to get some writing done. We are in the month of November. Tell us what you got coming up for Guardians Warlock. So we took November off for writing. So we're taking okay. this entire month off. And actually, we wrote a song. Um, um, we wrote a song last practice. Actually, last night. Or we wrote a song last night. Uh, so we're. I mean, we're. You know, when I write. When I write music, I uh, well, I don't write music. I write lyrics. When I write lyrics, it just kind of comes to me. It's one of those things where I got to stop what I'm doing and just kind of write. I don't really have a set day or a set night where I set things aside and I write uh, lyrics. It just kind of comes. And um, wrote a song about uh, the movie Tremors. That's one of our favorite movies all together as a band. We love that movie. And um, so we wrote a song called Under the Ground. And um, 
we're going to be, we're going to be putting that one out soon. That one's going to be really fun. And we're doing a couple other things too. So we're going to come back in December with an all new set. Uh, we've got two shows booked in December already, and they're going to be really sweet. Uh, we've got one on the 18th. That's going to be big. If anyone's around in the area, you're not going to want to miss that. Not just for us, but for the band we're playing with, cause they're, uh, they're big. So this is really fun stuff, man. So a lot of stuff happening for the warlock and a lot of new things happening with the warlock. So we're happy about that. We don't want to be complacent. And just like this podcast, we don't want to be complacent. You know, we don't want to give you guys the same reviews of pay-per-views and the same content that you can get from other podcasts. Cause why, you know, why would you listen to us when you can get the same thing from somebody else? We want to give you guys like deeper cuts of things. We want to talk about things that you might not hear all the time. You know, I mean, like I get wrestling is, you know, uh, one of those things where the same person can probably talk about the same thing over and over again, but we want to kind of give you different perspectives on things, which is why I think it's important that Bully and I do this podcast because we're pretty different people. You and I, I think we, I think we both would agree on that. Um, and when it comes to our perspective of wrestling, uh, usually we're sometimes we're on the same page, but usually we're a little different. So I think that's what makes this so fun that we don't want to be complacent for you guys either. You know, we want to keep things fresh and, whether it's talking about how I love the shooting star press from Billy Gunn and Billy Ray hates it, or the fact that I love Darby Allen and Billy Ray hates it. Either way, Bully hate Bully Ray hates everything that I say, and that's what makes this podcast fun. That is hilarious. I was gonna say well put until you said I hate everything you say. I will say, <laughs> I will say you mentioned uh, that I that you love the shooting star press from Billy Gunn, and I've never seen Billy Gunn do a shooting star press. You, you know doing, why he you know why he doesn't do a shooting star press? Because you're because you're thinking Billy Kidman. Because he's, <laughs> he's an ass man. Because he's an ass That's awesome. Remind me. Anyway. Go to at tap outs and TDs and find that video of Guardians Warlock covering Ass Man at one of their recent shows. Uh, but PJ, it's been a great but, show. Uh, before before you jump off, I gotta ask you this: How did you feel about Mark Marrow's shooting star press? Uh, it was more awkward than the um than the the billy kidman shooting star press he's too big to do it i guess i don't know does that make sense but brock, brock lesnar's not too big to do it so anyway that's our show for this week <laughs> <laughs> okie doke okie doke no. all right man oh <laughs> uh, no but but in all serious pj it's been a great show once again love talking with you um we uh we again battle bowl 93 coming for you this week uh and stay tuned for the thursday show where we get some more football talk uh, for PJ Steven, it's your guy, Bully Rye. We are out of time. We will see you next time right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns.